Hello everyone and welcome to the 300th episode of Control-Alt-Delete. I'm recording this at the end of the year 2020 and I'm sat here at my desk feeling a bit burnt out and like probably everyone else listening, a bit done with this year now. That's not to say I haven't learned a huge amount this year and I am feeling very grateful for the small moments of joy, the small things this year that really felt big. December is normally a time where I reflect on the year and reflect on, you know, career goals, life goals. This year, it's more of a reflection on just how hard it's been for people and just taking that on board before moving into the new year. So in and amongst that, I realised I would like to celebrate something this year, and that is posting my 300th episode today. I just wanted to take a moment to realise how many people I've spoken to and how many people have tuned in over the past few years and just mark this quite arbitrary milestone with a special episode. Just wanted to say a huge thank you to you listening. If you're someone that's discovered the podcast recently or you've been here since episode one, I'm very, very happy to have you here. I know people don't like the word journey, but thank you for being on this podcasting journey with me. So to celebrate, I've done something slightly different with this episode. I've never done anything like this before, so here it goes. But I asked you to submit some questions in voice note form, which was so nice. It was so lovely to receive your messages and hear your voice and include it in the episode. So I hope you enjoy. I've answered some of the submitted questions. I hope you are able to have a relaxing break wherever you are in the world listening to this before the new year kicks in. And I will see you again very soon. Hi, Emma. I hope you're doing amazing. Um, my name is Maud. I'm a designer based in New York. And I have to say your podcast really encouraged and inspired me to launch my own business two years ago. So thank you. First, uh, I'd love to know who's the most hilarious guest you've had on the podcast. And then a slightly more serious question. Um, I've had an idea to launch an IGTV series for a while. But I feel like there are already so many amazing, well-produced projects like that out there. So I guess I'm not brave enough to start. Have you ever been in a similar situation? And what did you do? Anyways, thanks again for your amazing work. Bye. Hi, Mode. Thank you so much for this question. I would say that one of the funniest guests on the podcast is probably Dawn O'Porter. She's come on twice and... She's very fun and relaxed and I just enjoy getting to laugh about all the funny bits in her novels. I love that she doesn't really have a filter, which I feel is quite rare in this day and age where she really does just say whatever's on her mind and whatever's making her laugh. So I very much enjoy that and embrace that. The other guest who I had a great time with and I remember cry laughing and I don't know if it was on air or maybe just in the studio beforehand, but it was with Rick Samada the author of I Never Said I Loved You. And even though his memoir is very, very deeply moving and touches on a lot of serious issues such as mental health, depression and self-harm and and really low moments in his life, I didn't really expect to end up laughing as much as we did in the interview. And there is such a lightness with Rick to his writing and to his sense of humour. And it really invites you in. And sometimes I think of that irony of how humour 
is one of the best ways sometimes to get across quite a deep and serious topic. So I would say that that was one of the funniest ones where I just remember laughing a lot. So yeah, if you haven't listened to that one, I recommend it. And the second part of your question about the IGTV series, it reminds me of something that Seth Godin said on one of the episodes of Control-Alt-Delete, that we should try and flip the focal point of the work from being about the outcome, aka how shiny and amazing it looks and how it's received, and instead to really concentrate on the process. So will you enjoy making it? Will you be glad you've made it anyway, even if three people see it? I think if we treat something as a fun experiment before anything else, I think we lower the stakes and it takes the pressure off it. I think we're in a culture at the moment of kind of, if it wasn't quote unquote successful to the outside world, then it wasn't worth it. But I think we get to decide whether something is worth it. And we often get so much more out of doing something just by doing it. And I don't think things are ever wasted. There are so many things that I've done this year that I've ended up deleting or not posting or posting and no one really engaged with it. And I think things also evolve over time. So sometimes the first thing you do just won't be the most successful thing you do. And sometimes I think of this podcast because if you go back and listen to the first episodes, this really was DIY and it was such an experiment. And I think if I'd told myself it had to be shiny and studio quality and, you know, proper broadcasting, I don't think I ever would have started it. So I think allow yourself to be imperfect, allow yourself to grow over time, allow it to get out there naturally. And I think one day you will thank yourself for just giving it a go. Hi, Emma. This is Dorothy from Budapest, Hungary. I've been listening to your podcast for over three years now, and I just love the content and the conversation that you bring to us week by week. It's such an inspiring and comfortable place to come back to uh, for each episode. And I always feel that I learn so much from you and you keep inspiring me in so many different ways. So I just wanted to give you a big shout out of gratitude for doing what you are, and I hope you will keep on doing it for another 300 episodes. Um, so my question to you is, what do you think makes you valuable? What are your superpowers? What's the, what's the value that is unique to you and you bring to this world? I know it sounds like a deep question, but I'm just really curious about your answer. So take care, keep on doing what you are and yeah, just have a nice rest of the week. Bye. This does feel like quite a hard question, but thank you for asking it. I don't think we're conditioned, especially in the UK, to pinpoint our positive qualities in this way. It's like being asked in a job interview the best thing about yourself when you just clam up and say you're tidy or something. And thank you for saying that you wouldn't mind another 300 episodes. I actually made a joke the other day that I would be doing this podcast in my 80s, potentially. So let's see. But I was asked recently on another podcast to describe myself in one word, and it was really hard. But I went with the word curious, because I hope that that sums up this podcast. Because I think in a world that wants us, especially right now on social media, to be binary and polarised and always in opposition, and to always have our opinions carved into stone, I think broadening your mind and seeing things from a few different angles is good. Some things are very, very obviously right and wrong, and there's no real middle ground there. 
but I think most of the time conversations lack nuance. Apps like Twitter have made it slightly impossible to have decent conversations. And I remember when I was writing Olive, nuance was the word that everyone in the team kept saying because I wanted it to be a story about lots of different opinions, lots of different characters, and talking about a grey area where no one is right or wrong in the story. I'm also unashamedly into astrology and have got more into it this year with everything that's gone on. And Gemini's are supposedly meant to see things from two sides. I would like to think that that is something I will aim for in 2021 as well and hopefully go a bit deeper with the podcast, not be afraid to have uncomfortable conversations with people. And I just hope that's something that as a society we can get better at doing, talking to someone instead of immediately closing ourselves off from the conversation. So I hope that answers your question and it's a good exercise if you're listening and you want to think about your own superpower I would try and think of a word think of a few words and ask your friends what they think of you I remember Simon Sinek saying that if you ask your friends why they're friends with you you can get quite a lot of truth into the person you are and the value that you bring hello Emma my name is Christina and I am a painter artist illustrator based in Mexico City and my question for you is what would you tell the Emma that was about to start her first podcast episode today? What advice would you give yourself? This is such a lovely question. Thank you. I would tell her to keep going. I would tell her to always remember that the greatest joy of the podcast has always been and will always be who I get to talk to and connect to through this podcast, be it the guest or the listeners. I think it's very easy to get whipped up in where it's sitting on the iTunes charts or how many downloads it's getting. And I think that is something that I would tell my four years ago self that, you know, please don't get whipped up in that and just keep doing it for the very reason you started it, which is to connect with amazing, curious people, the people I interview and the people that tune in and the people that email me. And you know, it is easy to get whipped up in the numbers and metrics. Everything is ranked these days. Everything is reviewed. Everything has a number next to it. And I suppose in this capitalist society, we are told our worth is based on our monetary value, our productivity, how many people care about the work. Sometimes I think about the people I know that work in TV and they'll work on something they really care about. And then suddenly the attention turns to the ratings how are the ratings doing? And actually, that's really not why the show was made, but you know, it's the world we live in. So I would tell her that. And so I would say, just make sure you're tuning into your intrinsic values, which is something that we value for itself versus extrinsic values, which is doing something because you know, you'll get something out of it. Making the podcast is so enjoyable just in itself, by itself. So Yes, it is amazing now to share it with loads of people, but I don't think it should take away from the simple joy of being in conversation with someone primarily. Hi, Emma. Congrats on 300 episodes. I have probably listened to every single one of them. Um, I actually used your podcast as research when I was developing my own interview podcast a few months ago, and I really paid attention to the way you ask questions and how engaged you seem to be with every guest. And um, 
how much you've prepared it really, that really comes across in all of your episodes. So I'm curious what the evolution of that has been for you over the course of control alt delete. Um, how did you handle preparing for each episode at the very beginning and how has that changed, um, to how you prepare for episodes today? Thank you so much and congrats on your own interview podcast. That's brilliant. And thank you for this question. It's not easy interviewing people, but it's definitely something you can get better at over time with practice, which is why podcasting is just so great. I think in my early episodes, honestly, I was just getting through it and not feeling like I was totally fluffing it up. So it was just a case of literally concentrating so hard and making sure I just didn't have any major awkward silences while I was getting my head together. But I feel like having this podcast was like a self-imposed internship where I just learnt awkwardly on the job. I feel like now I've got a weirdly good sense of time so I can know if it's coming up to half an hour or 40 minutes. I like internally know. I think it helps that I'm naturally curious about the guest anyway. So mainly with the podcast, I reach out to people that I'm curious about interviewing myself, having read an interview in a magazine about them or followed their work or seen them tweet something interesting or, you know, something in the news is making me want to dig into something more. But the interview preparation is quite simple now. I make sure I give myself lots of time to read their books or the book. I read interviews they've done online so I can have previous answers as a jumping off point so I can dig deeper to something they've already said. I also sometimes listen to other podcasts they've been on just so hopefully I'm not asking the same standard questions and so that people who are a fan of the guest won't get bored if they listen to other podcasts as well with them. I think it's really important if you're doing a podcast to offer something slightly different and it will be different just by dint of it being you but I think having a slightly different angle on the guest asking questions they haven't necessarily been asked loads before can be good. And I normally have a few bullet points in front of me, just keywords to remind myself of key topics that I want to cover. I feel like you know when you're getting more confident in your interview style, when you can go a bit rogue and know that you're not going to go on a massive tangent. And I think also leaving it to the night before sometimes to write down your bullet points so that you can keep it fresh the next day. But I'm not necessarily encouraging that as a way of working sounds very much like the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing. I think I've done 10,000 hours now. Hi Emma, my name's Sarah Howard. I am a calligrapher and have to thank you and the multi-hyphenate method book for giving me that push to start my side hustle. So my question is around books. Um, I One of the main reasons I enjoy following you on social media is um, all the books that you suggest and review and read. So I just wondered if you have a different way of consuming books, whether it's for pleasure or for work. Obviously, you have to read a lot of books for uh, interviewing guests and things like that on the podcast. So, you know, do you have uh, time where you put aside for personal reading as opposed to work reading? Uh, Just interested how you manage that. This is such a great question. There were so many books that came out this year that I wanted to read and my reading pile was pretty overwhelming. Sometimes I just looked at it and it looked like it was like the Leaning Tower of Pisa and I just didn't know which one to pick up first. And I think it was really, really important this year for me to work out what was reading for leisure and what was reading for work. It wasn't really possible to have the beach reading experience this year. So 
making sure I knew whether I was reading for work or not uh, inside my house was really, really important. For me, I make sure I carve out time in the day to read books if it's for work. I feel like there's a real stigma of reading during the day because it's like this luxurious thing that we should only do in our spare time. But I remember the author Ryan Holiday, who is the author of many, many nonfiction books. And I remember him saying that reading is a part of our jobs. We should treat it as such. So if it is a book I need to read for the podcast, I will carve out an hour or two over lunchtime to read it. I think if I had to read books in the evenings as well as do everything else, it I would just be working the whole time. So for me, I think it is really important to read for myself, just for myself sometimes and not for work. It's sort of that age old thing of English literature students saying that reading at university kind of ruined reading for them because it was like constantly a workload rather than something they enjoyed. So if I'm reading for myself and just for myself, not necessarily because I need to tell anyone about it or share it or interview the author, I will read in bed. I will read before I go to sleep. I'll read on the sofa while my partner is watching a film that I'm not that interested in. And I'll just make sure it is a cosy, under a blanket reading experience rather than reading at my desk with a highlighter pen out. So I don't know if that is helpful, but that is what I do. And I really do recommend splitting out your activities so that you know what's work and what's not, because it's becoming increasingly merged for so many of us, especially working from home. I think now that we don't have as many physical boundaries between work and home life, we have to create psychological ones. So creating our own boundaries, I think, is Hi, super important. I'm, I'm looking into starting a, a bit of a side hustle as a way to get out of a job that I'm currently in that I really don't enjoy and kind of don't see my career developing in. Um, but the main problem I have at the moment is really just trying to find that mental space and the energy outside of this job to kind of really commit to my side hustle. I know um, you kind of started out in a similar way, um, working your side hustle whilst doing a job that you know you weren't really enjoying that much. So I wondered if you kind of how you um, found that mental space um, and if you've got any tips. Thank you so much for this question. And it's something that comes up a lot and it's something I've written about a lot. And I think I became known for being this side hustle woman when I didn't actually know that's what I was doing at the time. All I was doing at the time was creating space outside of my job to be creative in my own way and basically try and invest in myself and empower myself, I suppose, out of my misery. <laughs> I think many jobs leave us feeling quite unfulfilled because we aren't using our creative energy at work and we're not using our creative brain at work. So it often gets stored up. We feel even more frustrated with our jobs for not allowing us to express ourselves. We start becoming resentful. We become more unhappy at work. We get really frustrated that we can't create the things we want to create or say the things we want to say or even work in a way that works for us. So this is where a side project comes in. I think it gets to be it gets to be your sacred space to be creative, to work on something just for you, to put all of that wasted energy into something else. The irony is that so many employers or companies miss out on this magic. They miss out on these creative ideas or aspects of people's personalities because companies are so archaic and people just want you to fit into a mold that suits them and their structure. So all this magical stuff ends up going into people's side projects. 
So my advice, which is what I did back when I was working in a job I didn't like, was to do my job well, show up, get my work done, do it to the best of my ability, but not expect too much from the job and certainly not burn myself out at the job going above and beyond for something that wasn't even asked of me. I would never work on my side project at work ever. I think it's important to make sure it is outside of work that you do it. And I would go home and I would have this huge creative reserve because I wasn't using that side of my brain at work really. And I would use that fuel that I had saved up to work on my side project and enjoy the time I spent on it. And this is not to say that you should use all your evenings and spare time working more. I really am against that. I hope people know that fundamentally I really don't like the term side hustle for that reason. I don't necessarily think it needs to be a hustle. We need downtime and sleep is not enough. We have to actually rest and actually relax our bodies and minds. So having time for yourself in the evening is so important and the weekends. However, I have become over the course of my career a huge fan of the Pomodoro technique, which is putting 25 minutes on the clock. You can get one of those old fashioned pepper timers or you can just put it on your phone and just I would release that that stuff that was all blocked up from going to a job I didn't like and I would get it all down and I would get so much out of that 25 minutes I would feel better and not worse I would feel energized I would not feel zapped of energy it's how I blogged pretty much you know a few times a week when I was working in a internship I didn't like and I think that is where things grow and take shape and you end up feeling more empowered and you feel proud of yourself and you feel confident to move jobs when the time is right because you have this thing that you can show on top of everything else. And a side project, there are so many, so many examples out there. My inbox is full of them, of people that started a side project in a very, very small way and it has grown into something bigger and it has taken shape. It has allowed them to sidestep out of a job or it has allowed them to work on a skill in private and get ready and confident to move on. I think it's a fantastic starting point. And um, yeah, those are my thoughts really about finding the mental space. Hi, Emma. Congratulations on episode 300. My name's Kate Wood and I'm from Manchester. And my question is to you, what is the best thing that you've learned about yourself during this year of lockdown? And what is the worst thing you've learned about yourself? Great question, as it has been a year of learning things for sure. I think it's a big looking in the mirror moment this year of just what your life is and the things you want to tweak, the things you want to change, the things that you don't want to bring into 2021. I mean, including obviously COVID. I think the best thing I've learned about myself this year would be actually how much I do like spending time by myself. I think I've had some good downtime alone. Even though I live with my partner, I've had lots of very long walks alone. I've gone and taken myself off to cafes alone. I even booked myself into a hotel kind of when we were allowed to after the first lockdown. I uh, just had time by myself. I think that's something I've realized is I need that. I like that. And I like my own company. I think the worst thing I've learned about myself in lockdown is that after all these years, I'm still not very good at spotting my own burnout signs. And I thought I knew them. I thought I had it down, but I have had burnout this year quite a lot. And I think I've, you know, plugged away thinking I'm fine, thinking I'm working a good amount, thinking I'm getting a lot of my rest time in. Suddenly I hit a wall 
and I need to clear the decks for a bit. And I realise I've overpromised myself, overbooked my calendar. I think it's something that I need to think about next year. How do I spot the signs so that if they creep up, I know that I need to take a day off? How do I get better at being my own boss? Because I've been doing this for a long time now, but I'm still not completely there when it comes to knowing my limits. So I think this year has been a huge reminder that A, we cannot control things, that things in nature, aka us, human beings, we do not bloom all year round. We have highs and lows. We have seasons. We have ebbs and flows of energy. And we cannot just continue to work all the time like robots. We need time off. So yeah, sounds a bit obvious probably, but I ha- I forgot this year. Again, these questions are good to reflect on if you're listening. What was the best and worst thing you learned about yourself this year? I would actually love to know if you would like to email me your thoughts. <laughs> Thank you for the question. Thank you so much for your amazing weekly emails. I genuinely read them um, from head to toe and that's awesome. (laughs) Uh, So thank you very much. I love your books and often feel quite closely aligned (laughs) with a lot of the the, um, ebbs and flows of, of your career and your life. And I guess I just wanted to ask if you think it's really possible to achieve your full potential Um, alone you know I understand that we're like community bias entities we're always seeking validation and tension and agreeance from those around us Um, but I so really find myself in groups of like-minded individuals and I wonder how much I can really achieve alone and how much we potentially can harbor our potential in trying to do so Um, you know if we're not blessed with a sense of security through love and understanding and compassion and energy how we might navigate um, through a multi-hyphenate life (laughs) as a party of one. Thanks so much. Bye. I found this question to be really moving, actually. I think it's just the honesty and the openness in it. So thank you so much for submitting this one. I think perhaps this year more than ever, it's been really easy to believe that we're on our own. And, you know, perhaps you've been working from home or missing your office friends or not seeing your friends as much not being able to meet up with your other freelance pals or colleagues. Working for yourself can be incredibly lonely at times, pandemic or no pandemic. So, And I think when you're working solo, you can feel the weight of a lot of problems just on your shoulders. There's not as many people to kind of disperse feelings onto and it can feel quite heavy. I think it's something about making decisions by yourself. It can feel quite lonely. I remember a friend saying once that they, when they were traveling alone, as a solo traveller, they found it mentally exhausting having to just think about everything all the time for themselves and having to be the only one to make decisions and take the reins and make a choice and look at the map and decide where to eat. You know, it's a lot of brain capacity and you can end up feeling really alone with all of those thoughts spinning around your head. But I think in, in answer to your question, I think we do need other people to reach our full potential. Of course, we need others. We need other people to be there for us. We need to be able to ask for help. It's really important. There is a real glamorization, I think, of individualistic work culture. You know, the whole post-it note of, you don't need anyone, go it alone, be your own boss, like screw everyone else. And, you know, I really don't agree with that mentality at all. I think we all need support. We all need a sense of community, however small, 
And I think we can find it in different ways now. It doesn't necessarily need to be like a weekly meetup with loads of people. Not that we can even do that right now, but I think we can find ways to have a sense of connection online in smaller ways. We can use social media to our advantage to feel like we're connecting with like-minded people. For me, I have a WhatsApp group with a few other people who do similar things to me. And just that being a bit of a sounding board has really been helpful. I also hired a life coach this year, which I know is maybe not something everyone can do right now, but I felt like having just that extra person that was this external sounding board where I could bounce ideas off her. I could talk to her about all sorts of things. It was like this extra person who could be a part of me crafting this life and career that I want to evolve. A life coach is like a kind of middle ground between having almost like a consultancy type person helping you, but also a therapist. And I think if you're navigating a multi-hyphen life as a party of one, like you say, you know, it is, you are a party of one, you are a company of one, you never really are alone. You are part of a fabric, you are part of a community, and you are very much surrounded by many people who feel the same as you. Sometimes it's just about trying to find those people and suss out where they are because they are here and they are around. So if anyone listening has any ideas on how the multi-hyphenate listener can connect with other like-minded people, maybe the people that listen to this podcast, if you have any ideas of how we can connect further and help each other and support each other, I would be very much open to hearing from you and hearing your ideas. So I think that is a great note to end this episode on. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in over the years. Thank you to everyone who submitted a voice note. I think I'll do this again one day because it was so nice to connect in this way and hear your voices. I will continue to bring you episodes for as long as I can. And I just hope that you take care and have a lovely, relaxing, festive break. And here's to a better 2021 for us all.